Hello, this is Philip Miriton, and today we're going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now, here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Heaven at the End of Science, Philip Meriton. A quest that is common to both science and spirituality is extending the duration and improving the quality of our lives. More people, it is presumed, would become more personally interested in science if we were actually able to find the youth pill. And in the same way, I think, more people would become interested in following a spiritual practice if it showed the ability to extend our youthfulness and our lives. This is where science and spirituality really become personal when it comes down to the question of our own lives. This is where we start paying attention. Now today's guest is Guy Joseph Ale who has studied this very topic for many years and brings a unique perspective to this question of our lifespans. He is president of Lifespan Seminar and vice president of Asia Pacific Association of Psychology. He is the author of the book A Manual for Mastering Your Life which is a guide for stress management, good nutrition, sufficient rest, and active lifestyle. He's earned a reputation as a visionary in the field of human lifespan and he received the eminent in Psychological Science Award at the International Conference on Psychology in 2011 in recognition of his invaluable contributions for the benefit of humanity. Welcome to the show, Guy. Thank you very much, Philip, and I'm delighted to be here with you and your get and your audience. <laughs> yeah, well, well, this is a topic, as I said in the beginning, that everybody's ears uh, open up a little bit when when you have credible people talking about improving our our lives, extending our lifespans, and making the most out of this remarkable thing called life that we all have. So let's, let's start things off a little bit by just having you describe a little bit about what is Lifespan Seminar? What, what makes what you do unique? Very good, um, Philip. I will begin by, and referencing your introduction, I will begin by drawing a distinction between longevity and lifespan. In, in the developing science of uh, elongating our human lives, uh, primarily that refers to longevity. There is uh, a lot, there are many people and institutions involved in basically lengthening our life. So that's, that's longevity and the whole movement towards immortality, towards discounting uh, the age-related uh, diseases. So that would refer to longevity. What we do, in fact, we uh, 
So the difference between longevity and lifespan, lifespan is not necessarily elongating our lives, but simply understanding our optimal duration of existence, which we can refer to later on, you and I. So lifespan is a given amount of years that every living organism uh, uh, lasts according to their genetic makeup. Lifespan does not necessarily imply a long life. It simply implies a given amount of years that each living organism can last in their uh, given body. Is it so now, a, that was the, the, you know, the distinction that I wanted to draw. In Lifespan Seminar, our unique contribution, which you asked, we here, in fact, teach people how to identify in themselves their optimal duration of existence and then provide the tools that would enable them to realize that potential because it is a potential uh, that we can uh, realize by the choices that we make in our everyday life. You know, I, I think that's important to make these distinctions because they're often confused. These, these different terms that are used. I mean, there, there's one school of thought on one extreme that would say, well, what good does it do just to extend life if all it means is that we're all going to be in the Alzheimer's homes longer or, or we're all just going to be uh, you know, immobile and, and unable to enjoy life? Then there is another school of thought on the other extreme that, that uh, wants to reverse aging, wants to extend uh, youth, what, what you're saying, though, is something different, it seems to me, is that this, this, this concept of the, the optimal duration, by that do you mean uh, extending the, the optimal duration or simply understanding what it is? Yes, very, yeah, very good uh, question because, uh, again, it implies the distinction. So, uh, the, the latter understanding the duration basically what we do and we uh, we draw uh, pride if I may at lifespan seminar to make it very very practical so we take cutting-edge science and we want to make it very practical to everyday life what does it mean for me in my everyday life getting up going to work coming home what does it mean what do I do with that with those bright ideas so it's in the most practical terms, this means basically giving you a fuel gauge of your body. You see, vehicles, the cars that we drive did not always have fuel gauges, and yet we drove, you see. The fuel gauges were a later, later introduction, in, I think in the 50s or probably in the 60s, yes. So we can drive from the West Coast to the East Coast in a car without a fuel gauge. We can do that. However, when we have a fuel gauge, it gives us a mastery over our vehicle. Same exact thing applies to our vehicle of mind, body, energy, flesh, and bones. So by understanding our potential duration of existence, which is a finite number, then we can also learn how to optimize that potential, what to do in order to realize that potential. Now that again refers to, so we divide, we divide our program, Philip, into two main parts. After we explain the science and the spiritual foundations of this latent capacity, as we call it, 
Then we divide it into body consciousness techniques, which enable us to understand our optimal duration. Uh, and those are meditation, uh, pressure points, ring muscles, and touch triggers. These all have to do with understanding our body, our house of, uh, of flesh, blood, and bones. So that gives us the potential of our duration in this existence. And the means of realizing that potential is the self-management skills, which are breathing, good nutrition, sufficient rest, and active lifestyle. Because the number itself is, again, is only a potential. If we harm the body, we obviously won't live that potential. But if we learn how to optimize our existence, then we can leave that number out. Okay, uh, so this, this potential is, is like uh, maybe how many miles per gallon a car could actually go uh, if you drive it like the perfect EPA researcher or something. Uh, and it's art and what you try to do is to teach people how to how to um, meet that potential different tools that they could use a, as a practical matter to meet the the potential that is ingrained in us is that is that correct well that number right. is actually just the the amount of gas in our tank that you see, every living organism has an optimal duration of existence. This is the maximum amount of years that they can last under the most favorable conditions. For example, whales who live 80 years on average and shrews, those little cute animals who live approximately two years on average, both have about one billion and a half heartbeats in a lifetime. So one animal uses that amount of heartbeats over 80 years and the other one burns up the same amount of energy in only two years. So they operate at different frequencies. Unlike wild creatures who are blind instruments of their DNA, we believe and we teach here at Lifespan Seminar that we humans have the capacity to understand our optimal duration and then, and then make the choices, behave, approach life in such a way where we can, in fact, live that amount of heartbeats over our life. The humans, uh, incidentally, have uh, approximately two billion and a half heartbeats in a lifetime. So again, just to wrap up, the, that that potential is the is the number. Let, we we pull into a gas station, we fill 18 gallons. We know that right now we have 18 gallons. So that's the potential. That's the optimal duration of existence: 18 gallons. How we use that those 18 gallons is absolutely up to us. Now, does does each person have a different size of gas tank? Yes. Yes, of course. Yeah, and and you know because we are given different uh, hereditary, different uh, DNAs we inherit. Um, basically, in today's latest science tells us that the relationship between our genes 
and our behavior is approximately 35 to 65 percent in favor of behavioral choices to determine our approximate lifespan. Now, if we think about it, that's, that's, that's incredible, okay? So it's just one-third. One-third is our DNA, is what we inherit from our family. Only one-third. Two-thirds of it is determined by our, by our approach to life and by the choices that we make in our everyday life. So what methods do you use to determine how big someone's gas tank is or, how, or what their optimum duration is, an a, a individual person? When we work with our participants in our workshops and with our private clients, we first instruct them to have a thorough medical checkup so they actually understand the, uh, their um, instrument of uh, mind-body. Uh, you know, that's anything from any diseases, any lingering diseases in the family, proximity to, to certain mal maladies, uh, heartbeat, you know, uh, their overall uh, health, uh, thorough medical checkup. And that is just another tool in their later determination or understanding their own intuition of their optimal duration of existence. Then we work with those body consciousness techniques that I mentioned, uh, meditation, uh, pressure points, touch triggers, and ring muscles for them to develop a higher awareness of their body and through uh, meditation they arrive at their own uh, potential of existence. Basically when we develop a higher intuition of our body, the body communicates to us on a regular basis. Our body is a very, very intelligent system that knows how to heal, knows how to reset itself and it sends us signals constantly on its condition, on what it needs, on, um, on optimizing itself. The body is programmed for self-healing and self-balance. We just, we help our participants to develop understanding of those signals. So let me, let me get this uh, clear for a second. Does the, does the length of the optimal duration, does it sort of come to a participant during meditation so you would go through these techniques and, and you'd be meditating and a number would come to you you know 102 or something like that uh, I mean how, where does the number come from uh, and is there a number maybe that maybe that's the question is there a number that come comes to you or comes to someone after they go through these practices Yes, the answer is yes. There is a number. There is a number that comes to you through through different um, forms of meditation um, while you actually get more attuned to your body. And yes, so I actually it, this began as my own um, insight through my own um, physical crisis that a number came to me. And as you referenced in your introduction, I've devoted the past, uh, since 1991 really, I've devoted to, um, to researching this field and understanding the, whether it was indeed credible, understanding the spiritual, uh, scientific, and evolutionary aspects of this, what I believe is our latent capacity 
two cents our optimal duration. But you know, and since then, if anything, Philip, I was uh, I was flabbergasted. I was just transformed. I was just surprised by how many people. You know, once you voice that and once you just introduce the idea, how many people just say, of course, of course, I've, I've always felt or I've always sensed mm. or I've always known or I've had a notion that I would I would die at 95 or uh, my mother, my mother and I have known that we would pass at around 78. So, you know, it, this is not again, uh, very, very uh, simply, this is not a. This is not a, a science certificate that someone hands out to you saying you're going to live 78 years and 124 days. You know, right. that's not, you know, the, you know, that authority resides in each one of us. It is our intuition. Well, Incidentally, wow. it's very, very important. Uh, it's, and it's actually, uh, it's, it's wonderful because we, you and I and everyone, uh, we are living at, the, at an incredible time for, for scientific and spiritual discoveries because there is so much exciting research being done. Uh, the latest one I will introduce is from uh, Harvard neuroscientist Rudolf Tanzi, whose latest uh, science uh, um, research shows that intuition is the next part of the brain that is evolving. So it began with the instinctive brain, followed by the emotional brain, followed by the intellectual brain, and the next stage of evolution of our brain is the intuitive brain. In this scenario, intuition is not something, you see, there was an instinctual brain that was that animal brain. That's the instinct. Intuition, however, is not purely merely physical or, or, or survival. Intuition touches on our intellect, emotions, uh, science, feelings, everything. It's that entire consummation of everything that we are as a sentient being. This is Philip Mirton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're speaking with Guy Joseph Ale, the founder of Lifespan Seminar, and we're talking about the optimal duration of existence, touching upon the concept of intuition. Now, let's, let's just back up a little bit here because I, I'm trying to understand sort of the, the, the scientific or the philosophical background to your approach. Because you mentioned uh, epigenics, and I think it's, it's very fascinating the statistic you, you uh, talked about not only uh, in your in a couple minutes ago but also in some of your articles about how science has found that over 50 percent of our lives let me put it that way is behavioral as opposed to genetic and this this of course is a very 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 important topic in itself and i think is critical to this notion of lifespan or longevity or whatever um angle we're taking because there is a school of thought that says we are determined by our genes and we know from the Richard Dawkins line line of books you know he wrote the book called the selfish gene which is really about how all we really are uh, is selfish genes and therefore there's really nothing we can do about it although this other notion that our, our lives, our behavior, our intent, and maybe our intuition 
control our environment also has a large effect upon our lives what we might evolve into for example and i do think this is this is cutting edge because it's sort of taking us out of this purely mechanical uh, uh, model into a model where we start uh, having more personal spirituality take control so this this is a very very important um, uh, I think topic for in in today's age and I guess I guess from from that standpoint what what role what freedom does the individual have to extend if any to extend this optimal duration is that optimal duration a number and that's it and and then if so let's suppose it's 102 there's nothing you can do to make it 110 um again optimal duration is not um, in um, uh, wider than an individual thing and optimal duration it's it's important to to frame it in the uh, perspective of every living organism has an optimal duration of existence which is not a function of our intuition but simply it's a biological premise of this is the maximum amount of years that every living organism can live under the most favorable conditions so it, what is now so now let me address the question that you asked so here let's say let's take me as an example i believe that my optimal duration of existence philip is 102 years i believe that if i behave in a certain way and treat my mind and body in a certain way i have the potential to live in this given body for 102 years this is a potential. If I make some choices, I will obviously not leave that potential out. Now, to again, to focus on the underlying premise of your question, I am part of the human species. Human species can last longer than 102. So this is my personal uh, number that, that I see. We know the longest verified human life on record is 122 years. That was that French lady, right. her name is Calment, who lived 122 years. And she really exceeded uh, many, uh, everybody else who, who came even close by many years. So as far as we know right now, we humans, those are the furthest boundaries of what we are capable of doing. Um, to me, and, when, and that's what we help our participants to understand, every one of us has their own optimal duration of existence. You know, when you were talking... You talk would say... Okay. Yeah, go ahead. No, no I was going to say, you know, when, when you were talking about uh, each of us has this gas tank, uh, this optimal duration of existence, and through your techniques, the the lifespan sort of comes to the participant it, re it reminds me of sort of an energy level you know some people just don't have the energy level to to live longer 
or to live or or to live better and i think living longer is maybe the better way to put it you know some people it just seems like they get tired and and they and they lose energy and i'm wondering whether that metaphor or that that framing of the issue uh is similar to what you're saying or whether or whether it's different i mean because it seems to me to be very close to what you're saying this whole this notion that that each of us knows in our heart you know how much energy we have and 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 how long we really want to live it's 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 almost like it's partly a personal choice of course of course what you what you describe is definitely um a very <clears throat> clear aspect of that entire framework of our optimal duration of existence because wanting to live a certain amount that will to live is a very very important component uh, so there is a whole uh, slew of important questions you know do we want to live that long you know how how long you know when we guide our participants again to to help them to take them in the direction where they can recognize that a potential in themselves you know some of the questions that we ask what you know according to what I learned about my the condition of my body and according to the longevity history of my family and according to my own energy levels and my own approach to life how long do I think I can reasonably live in this body then another question is do I want let's say it's 85 or 90 do I want to live to 90 you know not not many of us do again listen some of the latest research that's emerging we are living longer but as you very validly mentioned before you know what is the it is not about quantity really it's about the quality what what good is it to to be a 97 year old vegetable who doesn't move and is just a you know just ho hooked up to instruments right. what uh, what's that for and in a larger philosophical uh, uh, sense, what I mean, you know, this immortality. I guess it's a, you know, <laughs> I guess it's part of our of our human earning. But I mean, what's this rush to live longer and longer and longer? It's it's silly, really, because longer does not necessarily mean better. It's just silly, you know. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, so that again to address your question, that energy level and wanting to live. That will, that basic will to live is a very, very strong component in our optimal duration, in our personal optimal duration, absolutely. Yeah, and I think here it's, it might be a good time for you to talk about what it's meant for you. I mean, this, this is something that... Um, you sort of let me let me use the word discovered or came upon you said in the early 1990s what what changes has it made in your life to 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 go down this road and the and to uh develop and implement these practices um um i'm glad you ask uh, because i truly believe that um that everything that we teach here at Lapspan Seminar, again, as I said, got to be practical. 
any I I personally truly believe that any bright ideas that anyone any one of us can have are merely ideas until they are applied and implemented in reality so the question that we ask constantly is what good does it do in my everyday life does it make my life easier happier more meaningful does it benefit me so what and uh, that insight first came to me in 1991 and quite frankly Philip I I did not know I struggled with it for the first five years um, I did not know what to make of it I was afraid of it I saw that it was some kind of silly notion I I doubted it I doubted myself I I couldn't tell it to anyone because I was afraid that you know they would laugh me off as you know some kind of silly or even megalomaniac uh, idea and uh, so I really really struggled with it uh, uh, seriously as as my ordinary life went along of course but it just would not leave my mind so because it would not leave my mind after maybe five or six years I saw, and again it was a very very gradual process of acquiescing in it I simply understood that um, it would not leave my consciousness and then I started to look at it from different angles so I then that very important question came up in my mind of what if it were to happen what would it mean in my practical life I'm a very very uh, pragmatic person personally uh, so what it meant it meant everything really so to me when I ask myself that question the simple answer is everything it reflects and touches on every aspect of my life romance behavior uh, philosophy uh, what I eat how I sleep how I treat my body how I treat my mind uh, what kind of moods I have how I treat other people you know it's if I am, in fact, to last 102 years, I need to behave and really approach life. It's not just behavior. So, I'm, I'm, for to me, it is not a straitjacket that I put on myself. Oh, don't don't do that, or don't don't cut somebody off in traffic because you will not last for 102 years. It really means approach, understanding what what this whole existence that you and I have mentioned before, what does it mean to me? You know, if my instrument of mind, body, spirit, this identity that I have as a person, if I am to last in this consciousness for 102 years, what does it mean? It means everything. It means how, how I see myself, how I see the world, how I treat my body, how I treat others, what I do with my life, everything. This is Philip Mirton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're speaking with Guy Joseph Ale, the president of Lifespan Seminar, and we're focusing on the on this notion of the optimal duration of existence and how we could benefit from Dr. Ale's Mr. Ale's findings. Now, as as you were as you were talking, what what was coming to my mind is oddly is the Buddha Eightfold Path. And it comes up a lot uh, when, when guests talk uh, about combining uh, right conduct and right thinking. 
and I don't recall all of the different uh, elements of the Eightfold Path, but one thing that I think is interesting about Buddhism is that it it does sort of center on not only not only right thinking, you know, not only having the right theories, but acting correctly, morality, and diet, and exercise, and it's it's like it's it's like a holistic program for the evolution of the soul, and it. So have have you have you uh, studied Buddhism? Is there any common elements uh, between what you're saying and Buddhism? Uh, even 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 based upon what I just uh, summarized there, I'm just trying to figure out whether whether there's a link here to some of the Buddhist teachings. Very much so, Philip. Very much so. And again, in very practical terms, very much so. If I, you know, I do not see myself. I personally do not see myself belonging in any one religion, but I feel uh, most resonance with uh, with what Buddha taught. And beyond that. Uh, again, in very, very practical scientific terms, this whole mind-body integration touches just on that, because again, I, what does it mean when our optimal duration of existence? It means everything, because we will not be able to realize that potential if we pollute our minds with baggage of resentment, anger, revenge, negativity. Now, we are all human and, you know, we are not, we are not preaching here to levitate and, <laughs> and hum on seventh cloud. No, this is, a, yeah, this is a very, very, you know, yeah. existence as, as Buddha taught, it's, uh, you know, the suffering. The suffering is, is a, um, is one of the fundamental aspects of existence. Existence means suffering. But not just that, of course, you know. So it's a very three-dimensional pain, physical pain. Um, you know, there is no escaping the blues of life. Right. But it means everything. But again, it's it's the mind and body because the body is an extension of the mind, and the mind lives in this body. They are interconnected and interdependent. They inform each other. In practical terms, again, our body retains memories of everything that we live through. Resentment, joy, love, hate, everything. So when we say that our optimal duration of existence is only a potential, and it refers to every aspect of our existence, it is just that. It refers to our mind, to our body, how we behave, do that energy that you and I mentioned, those 18 gallons in our tank, if our carburetor, if our filters are dirty, that harms our driving, that wastes a lot more of our gas. Same thing here. Okay. So if we, again, we are not talking about, uh, you know, uh, say thank you to someone who abuses you, but it's a, it's a gift. It's that enlightened self-interest that Buddha spoke about. It's that gift that we give to ourselves of moving through life in the most graceful manner. The Where do you come down on reincarnation? Uh, does that play any role in your worldview or in, in your in your system? Is it 
is there any is there any link to reincarnation or karma for example absolutely karma because it's karma means energy really I mean you know it's the energy that we put out and what we put out I believe comes back and it's just a cycle of a great cycle of the entire universe um, reincarnation I am fascinated with I'm just well curious really curious right. it's not uh, I'm curious about but it does not uh, necessarily fit in what we teach except that in the sense that I believe that the energy that again that you and I mentioned enters this physical body this given physical body and it it this physical body lasts for a duration that optimal duration of existence and then the energy leaves departs this this physical manifestation of Philip Meriton who is a unique entity which has never existed before and will never exist again you are a unique uh, a unique individual a unique entity that exists only at this particular time in in the universe but the energy I believe that it rejoins the source the universal consciousness or the Godhead or the spirit the source and um, I don't know what it does later on, but I truly believe that um, that consciousness that we all carry, that that the evolutionary information that we all carry inside us, is much older than our biological age. We have echoes in us that are as old as the universe. We contain all that information in our genes. You know that's that's interesting. Last week I had on the show uh, Joe. Uh, I'm sorry, Joanne. DiMaggio, the author of this book, Your Soul Remembers, and it was about remembering past lives, and the topic of reincarnation was front and center in that show, and the notion that we live past lives is, is integrally related to reincarnation, and we had this conversation, Joanne and I did, about my my perspective which is that the one thing I don't understand about reincarnation is this one-to-one -one correlation between souls if souls are are undifferentiated formless then how how does the same soul appear in the Dalai Lama for example how does how, how is it that that a physical body carries carries the same soul of somebody that lived hundreds of years ago I, I like the way you framed it, and that is the way I would frame it as well, that assuming that we are energetic creatures, which I happen to think is almost indisputable, and I could and I've cited it before, but if you want to get if you want to push e equals MC squared a little bit, uh, the notion that we are that matter equals energy, we are cl there's clearly an energy component to what we are. And if our forms pass away, our bodies pass away, then it is not too—it's uh, not going too far out of limb to say that that energy, spirit, force, whatever it is, uh, gets put back into the spiritual bank, and then spirit develops. That is also, um, for those who really want to get into this, that's also part of the philosophy of Hegel, 
which who was a very advanced 19th century German philosopher who believed that uh, that uh, that history is is spirit evolving over time and coming to realize that it comprises all existence. So these things we're talking about, I want the listener to understand this, they may seem a little bit far out, but they're actually connected not only with Buddhism, karma, but also with Western idealist philosophy. You know, Guy, I, I happen to think that that we are evolving spiritual beings and that this movement that we're undergoing here in our modern world where things are opening up a little bit, we're starting to realize this spiritual component to existence, whether it's through quantum theory and, and the role of consciousness, whether it's epigenics, realizing that we're not controlled by our genes, whether it's past lives remembered, or whether it's lifespan seminars, we're starting to realize that it's not all about the machine. It's not all about winding up these toys and tipping over. There's a certain amount of direction, a certain amount of control we have over our lives. And I, I, I like what you do because you're, it seems to me you're coming at it from, as you say, a very practical, scientific, level-headed approach. And that, that I think is, is extremely important for, for, for credibility. And because I take it that that you 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 uh, I, I I believe value scientific credibility is that is that correct I mean you you don't you want to be respected for what you're doing right in, in the scientific world I do Philip I do uh, well uh, thank you for putting it that way I really do I um we are not, you know, we are not selling uh, gadgets here. You know, yeah. I, I do. I uh, well, you know, uh, it's a, um, and this is really also my my pleasure of you and I meeting and having this uh, this intelligent conversation and very very curious and fascinating conversation because uh, I it is um, it is fascinating quite uh, quite honestly you know so uh, I truly believe that this is a latent capacity in us and to refer to what you said a new cosmology shows us you know part of the scientific uh, and, and for us what we teach is a is a constantly evolving framework because simply because there is more and more new science emerging all the time which which supports and and explains that intuition so that's really the, the fascinating thing of it because now east and west meet east has known about such things all the time you know we uh, i teach uh in sri lanka i've been invited to, uh, to sri lanka several times to 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 lecture and present and to them the reaction the immediate reaction is of course you know because the Eastern philosophy and Buddhism, etc., they have taught for thousands of years as inside, so outside. Each one of us contains the universe within us. We are a product of this universe. We are made of the universe. We are made of the same matter and energy as the universe. So it is obvious what, how can it be otherwise? So by our body consciousness techniques, we simply help participants to understand this latent, this vast deposits 
of information that we contain in our genes. Now, to touch on what you so, so, uh, so greatly refer to, we are a work in progress. You know, here we are at this moment in evolution, nine, uh, 2013, uh, this is not the end of it. This is not the end of the world. Because this is not the end of the world, this is not also the end of our knowledge of what it means to be us, sentient beings, and what it is the universe that we, that we inhabit. It is an ongoing process of discovery. New cosmology shows us that in a certain perspective, humankind, we are currently, as far as we know uh, right now, and this is not a chauvinistic statement, but as far as we know right now, we, humankind, are the most advanced consciousness existing in the world. Right. Until we find otherwise. Right. So right. we are the conveyors of consciousness in the cosmos. We are the eyes and the mind of the cosmos. So the universe is coming to understand itself through us, through your and my communication, through articles, through research. This is how consciousness in this, in this universe is, progress, is progressing and evolving. So because we have not yet reached the end of the world, we also believe that you know, there are so many other capacities in us that we still have not discovered and sensing our optimal duration is one of them simply yes yes yeah that's i i do think a lot of the the problem with observers like the two of us and there's so many others and i would use ken wilbur as an example uh, observers of the evolution of consciousness i think it's easy to forget that we're evolving while we're observing, while we're critiquing. There is no such thing as a privileged standpoint where somebody could look out and say, well, uh, you know, the, the human life and evolution is leading in this direction. Let's, let's say someone says, well, the maximum that we're ever going to live is 120, and I know that because I've done all this research. The problem with anything like that is that we are evolving while we're understanding. We're changing with the picture. We're part of the of the play. Of you the know, mystery. You know, of, of the mystery, yeah, right, right. And and so it's sort of like a you know, like we're the cameraman in this motion picture, but we're also part of the picture. And so and so it really and that that is that to me is is tells us, it tells me that humility is important because 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 we're we're limited by our times our culture and our understanding and i, I that's why I, i'm a, obviously doing this show i'm a big advocate of taking the biggest broadest perspective you can and being as open-minded as possible because you never know where things are going to be heading this is philip Mirton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're speaking with Guy Joseph Ale, the president of Lifespan Seminar, and we're talking about the optimal duration of existence and all these really interesting elements of trying to figure out how we understand this optimal duration. And... and so, Guy, I'd like to move right now to the practical side of this. 
uh, although it's hard for me not to get back to the to the philosophical but in you, in one of your seminars why don't you why don't you summarize what what somebody would ex, would expect to see if they come to one of your seminars uh, what what is it like it's uh, <clears throat> it's informative and interactive uh, so we begin by providing so <laughs> the analogy or the metaphor that I draw Philip is in order to understand ourselves we position us humankind in our proper perspective in the universe so for that we first go out into the universe at large and then we bring that large universe back into our own body so we begin by science by cosmology and i you know i i, I read about your book philip and about your premise and it was just fascinating so it also to to refer back to to your question we right now and that's also part of the evolution that you and i were talking about before so here we are at this point in time limited by by uh by the current framework of existence so what do we know what does science tell us right now what what does what does our current science tell us about existence about what it means to be human about the universe that we inhabit so we begin with new cosmology about its latest uh, findings uh, and that's also very very fascinating because space telescopes such as Hubble and Planck keep feeding us new information so right now we know for example that 70 percent of the universe is what cosmologists call dark energy right 25 percent is what cosmologists call dark matter and, and only five percent of the universe that we currently inhabit which again which current science is is able to explain to us only five percent of this universe is what is what is the visible cosmos made of matter atoms molecules and planets so it's like my wife and I had a um, had a laugh about it the other day because calling something dark energy or dark matter is very much like saying that dim attic in our house we simply don't know what's in it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, every time I've had a couple of shows on dark matter and dark energy, and I, I've uh, written about those two concepts myself, and it's it's sort of like it. For those who think that that means that cosmologists understand the universe, it means exactly the opposite. It means they That's don't right. understand. That's right. And it's so, like calling it boogaboo. It's yeah, a boogaboo. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think... 25% of it is boogaboo and 25% is what something, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's sort of like um, it. it's hard to distinguish some of these theories from Star Trek, but that that's sort of another, another topic, although uh, it's important. Here's... Here's my two cents, and I, I interrupted you a little bit, but I'll let you get back. My two cents on that is is that it it really is important to understand these theories of modern cosmology, at least in the big picture, in dark matter, dark energy, inflation, 
and, and, and string theory, etc. It's important because they show science doesn't understand the mystery. So don't fool, or don't fool yourself into thinking that science has it all figured out just because they have a lot of books written on the topic. And, and so the, the mystery remains. So I'm sorry, Guy, you were talking about uh, your, your... No, 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 it's a, absolutely. It's, <clears throat> you're absolutely right. And, and to get back to, to your question, and really, I mean, you know, another way of saying science doesn't know is really it's that humility that you mentioned, Philip. It is, you know, any one of us who is, who is basically intelligent, we understand that we have to be very, very humble about what we do know and simply acknowledge you know it's it's so you know we call it here proud humility yeah. yes we need to be humble in understanding our current limits of the science on the other hand again let that not make us immobile let that not right. let that not paralyze us into thinking we don't know anything no there is plenty we can know and we do know and then we we keep stretching those boundaries of darkness as we go Right. So right now, at this moment in evolution, in time and space, this is what we know. It's very much like, you know, only 500 years ago, uh, Copernicus came around and said, the Earth is not the center of the world. Before that, you know, before that, we knew something and then we knew something else. So this is evolution. This is simply evolution. And it's very, very important to realize that it's it's a constant process. We keep learning. We keep discovering. We keep uh, we keep understanding about ourselves and the universe. So, in uh, in our workshop, we discuss the latest uh, science of new cosmology, uh, neuroplasticity, which is very very important. Uh, so, uh, very briefly, if I may, neuroplasticity shows us that unlike what neuroscientists thought, our brain changing changes constantly. Our brain keeps re reforming new connections between its 100 billion cells through our entire lifespan. In very practical terms, this means that we can learn from past mistakes and improve our approach to life. So, we don't have to carry forward bad habits only because we have done them in the past. We can reform, we can, you know, we can we can reprogram our brain for a better approach to existence, to health, to well-being. We touch on um, superstring theory, as you said, which shows that life in its essence is pure energy and information. This is what it is. When we break down existence to its, uh, to its most recognizable ingredients as far as super string theory understands we are each one of us and the entire universe energy and information that's all we are and then um and then um, um uh, optimal duration of existence that's understanding that you know we all have a given amount of fuel then we move into the body consciousness techniques, you know, so after we explain the, the scientific foundation, we also explain the spiritual foundations about really understanding that we are always evolving our, uh, what we call it, we call a, uh, a class or course that's called evolution of the mind to show how our concepts of what is possible for us are constantly changing. We once thought that we couldn't fly and then we started flying. And many people resisted flying on philosophical principles because they thought that we were terrestrial animals and as such we belonged on earth while birds belonged in the sky. 
And that was only a hundred years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we constantly change our concept of what is possible for us and what it means to be us. Yeah, I, I want to add something here that is extremely important. You know, in if you if you had to sort of uh, identify what is the most important finding or development in this new era we're in and i i think i've used the term new spirituality or new thought and i i really i really think it's 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 a greater appreciation across a broader number of people of the overlap between science and spiritual teachings and i think that epigenetics and this and this neuroplasticity this notion that we are not machines at the heart we're not completely controlled by the body or by the physical environment that there is a certain amount of control uh, that we have and I mentioned I mentioned quantum theory which a lot of people have heard about the double split I mean I'm sorry the double slit experiment and the the this this idea that a particle becomes or a thing becomes a particle or a wave depending upon the experiment that the researcher decides to to take and what that means is that that the the mechanical model is 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 in a decline. Uh, my my new book, by the way, it's going to be it's called the collapse of materialism, and I I really think that that's where that's where this is heading because now all of a sudden you're we're joining up with with these spiritual teachings, um, eloquently put by Pierre Del Jardin, who said that we're really spiritual beings having a physical experience we're at heart energetic beings which is the same thing and so so these these uh this this these uh topics these lessons that you have in your class i think are are really are really um healthy because they're sort of telling your your um, students that hey this big picture this scientific spiritual web out there this new worldview is 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 legitimizing these new ideas and it means there's reality to this and and you could have hope that there's something better for you in the future or there's some way to maximize your your time on earth so i just wanted to to emphasize that underscore that guy because i i do think that that's that's something that i i saw in reading your 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 work uh, that you 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 take a little different angle than others would, and then maybe I would, but it's it's coming to this to this conclusion, I think, and or heading the same direction, which is showing the common uh, grounding of science and spirituality. Very much so, Philip. Very very much so. And you know, you 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 spoke of freedom. So that's exactly if there is an underlying premise of what we give our participants is that we are in charge of our well-being we nobody else that power and the authority and the freedom are in our hands again to uh, re-emphasize the relationship between our genes and our lifestyle choices in determining our lifespan how long and how well we will live how long and how well you will live is only one-third of your genes, what you inherited from your family, and two-thirds how you behave and how you think. 
two-thirds of it, okay? That's the majority of your lifespan depends on your approach to life. Now, the wonderful thing is, with all these epigenetics and neuroplasticity, to show you all those scientific fields now give us the proof that we can change. We are constantly evolving. You are not, you are not doomed. <laughs> you yes. are not doomed by your genes. You are not doomed even by your past choices. Our brains keep changing, keep evolving, so you can improve your life and make it anything that you can imagine, really, okay, within, within the laws of nature, okay? So we need to be very, very practical. Within the laws of nature, you can do anything. And all this also appears in my upcoming book called Best Version of Yourself at Every Age, Tapping the Wisdom and Wellness of Your Body, Understanding Your Body, yep. Yeah, that yeah, that's that's a great. Um, I, I like the title, and and I I think that it it takes a step that is a practical step. You're not taking some some leap like maybe someone like I would to 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 an ideal that is way off in the future, but you're doing something here and now for people that want to optimize their time on Earth now. We've come to the end, uh, guy, and just just to summarize, why don't why don't you just tell folks um, how to find out more about your seminars, and then if you could quickly just just summarize those those four key elements to somebody that is trying to um, take advantage of their optimal duration of existence. Very good, Philip. Uh, you can, <clears throat> excuse me, you can find more about Lifespan Seminar at lifespanseminar.com and I can be reached at info at lifespanseminar.com. Um, that um, lists the workshops and the presentations that we do. And the four basic ingredients in order for you to be able to optimize your lifespan potential there are as we as we say there are many important ingredients for a successful life but we narrow them down to the four essential qualities that need to be present breathing which is fundamental to our to our life the importance of breathing which we teach breathing good nutrition understanding how nutrition Basically, what we eat becomes our body. So we, we provide very basic good rules of nutrition, sustainable for a lifetime. Sufficient rest, which is a crucial for our body to be able to reset and realign, us, realign itself, rebalance. And the final one is active lifestyle. Simple choices. We're not talking about pumping iron. We're talking about simple understandings of why the body needs basic physical activity to stay healthy and develop its immune system. Simple choices, walking, taking the stairs, riding a bicycle, dancing, staying away from sedentary lifestyle. So we talk about simplicity, practicality, and making good choices and understanding that living well is fun. 
It's not a chore. It's fun. It's the gift that you give to yourself. Yeah, and I I like I like to thank you, uh, Guy, for your time. And I I hope that the listeners have seen that what we what we've done here is to talk about a method of living that is real, that's practical, that anybody could benefit from, which is understanding that optimal duration of existence, that potential, that fuel tank we have in in all of us, and trying to ride it out, ride out this this journey with as high a quality of life as possible and maximize the kind of people we can be and our lives on this planet earth guy thank you very much for your time it's been great talking to you we'll see you next week this is philip Mirton. this is conversations beyond science and religion